I don't know one high level person, not one that hasn't either been in community with other like-minded individuals or they are in it currently. They always have somebody that's helping them, that's guiding them. Welcome to Evolve Leadership, the arena where high achieving leaders are challenged to redefine their limits. My name is Angus Nelson. I grew up in the United States and I now live in Lisbon, Portugal. I'm an executive coach and I've spent my career advising and training leaders from startups to Fortune 500 companies. And here's what I've learned. An old, ineffective leadership framework will always keep you on a hamster wheel, consumed with work-life balance, burnout, and stress. Here on the show, each week we'll help you rethink the path to achievement. We'll help you discover new principles, new philosophies to the modern leader. Look, the world is relentlessly changing, demanding a new era of leaders. It's time to redefine your limits. So enter the arena, my friend. It's time to evolve. Welcome in to the Evolve Leadership Show. Angus, how you doing, my brother? I'm doing great, and I am super excited about the opportunity of who I get to introduce to you and our audience today. Yeah, you get to have a conversation with one of our Evolve members who is a very successful entrepreneur and coach, and yet he wanted to get coaching so he could take his business to the next level. And so we get a little behind the scenes of a successful entrepreneur get coaching and his experience with it. I'll just go ahead and introduce him. His name is Larry Hagner. He's the creator of the Dad Edge podcast. He's been featured as one of the top dad podcasts in iTunes. His show's got over 30 million downloads, which is a a few more than ours, Tim. Just a few more. He's featured some of the most elite humans on the planet. And the mission of Dad Edge, and this is what I love, the mission is to empower men to live and lead legendary lives. So you know I'm all about it. He's uh, been the author of three best-selling books, and he lives in St. Louis with his wife, Jessica, and their four boys. Let's jump into that interview right now. Well, hey there, Larry. Welcome so much to uh, joining me here on Evolve Leadership. What's going on, Angus? It's good to talk to you, bro. It's good to see you. It's, it's, it's been a while. It feels like eternity. It's, it has been a minute since, you know, we, we've, we've chatted on a weekly basis for sure. It's like you see each other over and over again. So, uh, consistently. And then all of a sudden it's like, right. Just, just gone. Yeah. After that. Yeah. Well, I'm great. Uh, grateful for your uh, time to join us today. And I want to introduce you to this audience and kind of tell your story. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Larry started a group called the Dad Edge. And myself, being a father, was familiar with Larry years ago when I was in the uh, influencer marketing space. And I worked with Life of Dad. And I had all this familiarity with like all the different char- cast of characters who are fatherhood influencers, as we called them back then. And I knew of you. And then, flash forward, had an opportunity for us to work together. Um, and what an honor and privilege because your heart for dads is my heart. You know, being a dad myself and also committing to work to that was huge. So I want to like start in the beginning. Like you came from a background of like healthcare sales and you had some kind of a dream. Take us into that story of how it came to be in the origin of the dad edge. 
I did, man. I, I, you know, and I had a, a very good, good lucrative job, you know, on paper. And, uh, I was in medical device sales and was there for 18 years and worked my way up the corporate ladder and went from, uh, regional, you know, from, from sales rep to regional specialist to regional manager to, uh, to then, uh, I was one of our national account managers and then it became the last position I had was director, national director of sales for one of our entire divisions. So worked my way up and here's the interesting thing, you know, the higher that I, you know, went up the corporate ladder, uh, the less happy I was. Mm. And I always thought like, you know, Oh, if I got to this next level or I get this next promotion or I get this next raise and pay, or I do this, or I do that. Like that's going to be happiness and that's going to be awesome. And one thing I can tell you is it was not that way whatsoever. And I'm happy to, to dive into that if you want. Uh, but for me, you know, dad edge, I mean, ever since I was a kid, you know, and the way I was raised and my story and, and like growing up the way I did, man, I always knew growing up, even when I was a teenager, I was like, man, when I get married and when I have a kid, like that's two areas I am not going to screw up come hell or high water, I am not going to screw those two things up. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to have a successful marriage and be a successful dad. And one thing I can tell you is the drive and the motivation and the intention to be a good husband and father, not enough. Mm. It's never enough. Uh, It's foundational, right? You got to have the drive. You got to have the dream to do that. But it's not it, that's not what's going to get you there. It's almost like if I have a dream or a desire to be a marathon runner, but I don't like to run and I hardly ever do it, then that's all it really is. is an asp- it's, it's, it's something I can aspire to, but it's not mm-hmm. something I'm actually doing. And, you know, Dad Edge started as the Good Dad Project back in 2012. And it started, man, out of, I wish I could say it started out of like this beautiful moment, like maybe even an epiphany that I kind of joke about now, but it started with a really dark moment. So, you know, I like I said, I was in medical device sales um, at the time. I was a rep. I had just found out that I lost my number one customer. This was, like I said, on, on a day ten years ago, and actually eleven years ago. And um, I was having a really bad day. I mean, losing that customer was going to impact our income by forty percent over the next eighteen months, which was a hard pill to swallow. And I felt very defeated that day. But that was the that was also a death of a thousand cuts, and that was just one of a thousand. My marriage that I desperately wanted to be on point and I wanted to have a great marriage and great connection and great intimacy and all these great things in my life, those things weren't really happening. I had kind of like, I would say your run of the mill, mediocre sort of roommate settled marriages that we just sort of kind of like interacted, but we didn't know what the hell we were doing. And then when it came to fatherhood, it was very special to me, but at the same time, like I struggled with like, how do I, how do I relate to a six-year-old and a four-year-old? Like, how do I do this thing? And I wasn't the most patient father. I got all my attaboys and validation from everywhere outside the family. I got it through fitness. I got it through martial arts. I got it through my job. And that one day where I got really kicked in the nuts and lost my number one customer, my four-year-old, who is now 15, stepped out of line and I spanked him. Now, I'll pause for a second and say this. I know some people are okay with spanking and I know some people are not. I'm not here to fight that battle. But what I can tell you is that I made a promise to myself that when I had kids, I'm never going to strike my kids out of anger. Just not going to do it. And I didn't up until that day. 
So my four-year-old stepped out of line as any four-year-old would, and I swatted him on the rear end and he fell. And dude, something happened when he fell. I immediately saw my son fall, but I also saw me because that's the way I was kicked around, beat down, smacked around as a kid. You know, it wasn't uncommon. But here, here, was, here was the rubber when the rubber met the road. I went to pick him up because I was like, oh shit, what did I just do? I went to pick him up and he did this. Mm. He shuddered his hands in fear, like, don't hurt me. And I was like, oh my God, what, what have I just done? And it hit me so hard in the heart, man. I'll never forget looking over at my wife after this happened. And my wife, I've been married to her for 20 years. If I could just give everybody a picture of what Jessica is and who she is, she's a woman who will build you up, not tear you down. She's a woman who appreciates you and loves you and respects you, and she'll do it publicly in front of your kids and in front of her friends. She's a woman that makes her man feel like her man. And very rarely, very rarely will my wife call me out. She never nags me. She's never critical. But when she is, I listen because she's right. And I looked over at her, and she had this look of absolute, like, Shane, I, I've yet to see my wife look at me like that since she looked at me like she was like ashamed, like almost disgraced. And she looked at me, she was just shaking her head. She's like, God, Larry, really? Really? Like Larry, he's four. He's four. And dude, my wife never talks to me like that ever. So when she did, I was like, Oh God, I really did screw up. Jeez. And I just went into my office that night. And I did what every adult does when you have a bad moment. I went and started scrolling on social media because I just wanted to distract myself from that pain. And then I saw a button in the left-hand corner that said, create a page. I had never created a page. And I hit that button. I don't know what it was. I just, I believe in God. I believe that maybe that was divine intervention. I hit that button and said, what do you want to name your page? And I didn't even think about it. The words, the good dad project, just boom, just went on that page. And I surrendered that night and I just started thinking about my life, started thinking about what I was good at, things I wasn't good at. And there's one common denominator. The things that I was good at, my job, well, I had been trained in my job probably 16 weeks. I I had to go into, I was in the OR telling surgeons what to do. I had to be highly trained to know my product backwards, forwards, upside down how to instruct a surgeon who's way smarter than me to use my product in an OR when a high pressure situation. I was trained back and I was really good at it, but I had a lot of training. I was also pretty good at martial arts, but I had been doing it for 13 years. But what was the common denominator there? I had a coach. I had a community that I was doing that, doing those, doing those drills with, to spar with, to practice with. And then I had other people that I was helping along the way too, the lower belts. And then I was pretty good at fitness and nutrition but I've got a four-year degree in exercise science and nutrition. So all these things that I was pretty good at, I had diehard training in. And I started thinking about, well, what have I done for fatherhood? Yet nothing. I haven't even read a book. What have I done for marriage? Nothing. I haven't even read a book, listened to a podcast, nothing. So that was the night that I was like, that page became like, I'm done, man. I'm just going to learn. Just gonna, I'm just going to be a student. I'm just going to be a sponge and learn from whoever I can, whatever I can, and try to do this thing better. And that was an incredible surrender, man, of the ego. It was so hard to do. 
but it was the launching pad for what we have now, but it came out of really not a great moment, man. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that. And <clears throat> I'm sure since then you've now, you know, spun that into the podcast, the dad edge, and <clears throat> you've become the most perfect example of what a flawless, optimal father, husband, and business owner could ever look like, right? Flawless. Yeah. I, I don't make any mistakes. Like at all. I can't remember the last mistake. Oh wait, no, I forgot. The last mistake I made was about six minutes ago. Right. Yeah. No, no. It just makes me well more aware of the mistakes that are yeah. happening or I can at least try to avoid the mistakes that I know are like literally right on the edge of the cliff. And isn't that the thing is we, we, we make a mistake, you know, like, you know, with your son and I've made mistakes similar. And then we think, Oh, we're never going to do this thing again. And maybe we don't do that thing, but we're definitely gonna be bonehead enough to do something else. Stupid or dumb. Yeah. And this quest for us to get it perfect, to be perfect, to do perfect is just an exhausting, you know, kind of validation that we think is out there that's possible. And yet that in and of itself becomes a little bit self-defeating. When you look at a lot of the dads and conversations you've had since, and of course with your podcast, you guys have interviewed a lot of top people. What would you say are some of the common denominators of highly successful entrepreneurs or business people? This this one's an easy answer for me, and I just got off of hosting a podcast and a training uh, for our community, and the the guest was Sathya Sam, and he is an expert in uh, pornography, and, uh, and you know basically ridding ourselves of it. He I'm said, glad you clarified that." Right, <laughs> <laughs> he's not a star in any movies or anything like that, but uh, you know he said something three times. And it was really, really clear to me. He said, you know, sobriety is not about trying to abstain by yourself. Effective sobriety actually happens with connection. If you have connection, that's what will move the needle in any area of your life, not just porn, you know, trying to reevaluate, re reinvent your relationship with that. So he runs a community for men who, who struggle with porn. Right. Because he's like, if we're all open about it and talking about it, and holding each other accountable, that connection is actually the quote unquote anti venom to whatever it is that the vice that we have. Right. So, like, you know, you ask about high level people. I don't know one high level person, not one, that hasn't either been in community with other like minded individuals or they are in it currently. So either they've done it or they've, they're in it currently. Most people, it's always, they always have somebody, what we call on the payroll that's helping mm -hmm. them, that's guiding them, that's pointing them in the right direction. I have one of the, one of the most successful coaches that actually work for me. And I've, I'm just, I feel incredibly lucky and blessed to have this individual even work for me. Um, he's a real estate investor also on the side, but he also is one of my coaches and in, in our dad edge, uh, business boardroom mastermind that's for our dads who own businesses but he is america's like wrestling legend is jake herbert I'm, just google him you'll see it he's he was 2012 so silver medalist nine-time national champion in wrestling uh was the golden pick gold golden gold medal pick 
2016. Unfortunately, he had a horrible upset in the very last match of the Olympic trials and did not make the Olympic team. It was a massive upset. Like literally everybody pinpointed him as the gold is the guy who's going to win gold. So you think about the thousands of hours, the, the coaches he had in his life, the experience that he's learned, like Jake is above and beyond as far as his mentality around growth and resilience and getting things done and being held accountable. And I flew him down here to St. Louis to spend a day with our high school wrestling team, which is pretty cool. You know, so like, and all the kids were like asking for his autograph and he made it really fun. And one of the kids asked him, I'll never forget this man. They're like, how did you get to the level that you're at with wrestling? Like you're one of the best in the world. And he's like, I had a coach that gave me the best advice in the world. And it's this, and this is for every human being, not just somebody who wants to be an Olympic wrestler. If you really want to operate at a high level, you want to be successful, marriage, parenting, business, fitness, net worth, all of these things, then you need to have three people in your life at all times. One is somebody who's coaching you, somebody who's ahead of you, somebody who you are aspiring to be in the seat that they are sitting in. So somebody who's ahead of you, somebody who's mentoring you. The second person is the person you're doing life with, that you're learning with, or the community that you're learning with, right? Because that way you can bounce things off of each other, For hold sure. people accountable, like understand what we're learning, right? And then the third is, what are you giving to somebody else? What are you teaching somebody else? And I'm just going to use, as I wrap this up, I'm going to use the martial arts example. I loved martial arts and I was pretty good at it when I was doing it. And when he said that, I was like, oh my God, no wonder martial arts like something like Brazilian jiu-jitsu is radically successful. Not only do people, are, are they insanely dangerous to mess with, you don't want to mess with a guy who's, who's been doing jiu-jitsu for a few years. Let me just tell you right now, they will throw you all over the place. I've, I've been doing it for a little bit. But one thing I will tell you is that one of the reasons that they love it so much is because they have all three of those people in their life as soon as they walk in that dojo. They've got the instructor. They have their other students and they have the other people that they're helping. And when you're helping, you're actually mastering what you're learning. So what do the most successful people do? They have those three people in their life at all times. Love that. <clears throat> That's a great little segue too, because you and I got to know each other by us working together. And so flash forward from you getting that edge going. Now you're building into a real business you've started to build a team, you've got all these, you know, guys who are part of your programs. And then you got to a situation when we started working together, where were you at? What were you experiencing? So I was, ex at the time I was experiencing exactly what it is that we're talking about, which is I didn't have that. I didn't have that mentor in my life. I had the other two so I had people that I was doing life with and then I had people that I was pouring into, but I didn't have that, that other person. I didn't have that guide. I didn't have that mentor. I didn't have somebody who was giving me a point in the right direction, pointing out some of the things that I was doing or I could do better. I was referred to you by someone on my team. And as soon as we started working together, like about three or four sessions in, I knew that the experience that I was about ready to walk through were doors that I had never opened and I had never thought about. And I got to tell you, working with you was, was 
incredible. And it was also some of the hardest work I've ever done, but also some of the most rewarding work I've ever done with somebody. And it really opened my eyes. And I, I, I want to empathize with some of the people who are listening to this podcast. Like, I understand, like, guys who come and do life with us in our mastermind, right? Like, when they click the join now button, you know, and they pay their, their $500 for the first three months, you know, to do life with us because that's what we charge in the alliance. That's a scary moment for guys because you're like, you're literally taking, I don't care how much it is. I don't care if it's $500 or 15 grand, whatever it is. It, it's, it scares the crap out of you because it's what's on the other side of that saying, yes, I'm going to put you, I'm putting two things into this, my time and my resources. And now I am basically on the operation table and I'm going to let this guy do his work with me. And that's hard. That's hard for anybody to go through, but it's incredible when you get off of that OR table and the surgery is completed and you don't feel like Frankenstein anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You feel like the patches have been, the holes have been patched up. You feel like the things are better things are more clear. The vision is more clear. The body's working better. The mind is working better. Everything is working better. But you had to, you had to be willing to lay down. You had to be willing to, to be operated on. You had to be a willing participant, which is that's hard. It's hard. So I applaud guys who are who are courageous enough to make take that step. Well, I applaud you too because I remember one of our conversations. You shared something, and I and I, I you said this and I've never forgotten this because it, you put words to something I've seen in other clients, you know, other members that have been a part of our program. And it was this thing of looking at your past of either mistakes or shortcomings or whatever, and feeling a sense of shame in addressing it. And I never really put that two together because that, I think in many ways is why people feel challenged is because they think if I'm going to grow, then at some point I have to either acknowledge, admit, or uh, in some way think I'm something, fill in the blank, but it's filled with shame and it could be guilt. I mean, there's some other words that could be replaced in there, but it's that thing that says I'm either not good enough or broken or whatever, again, fill in the blank with whatever it is to, to you. But we, we don't acknowledge is the fact that that's actually a story you made up in your head. And instead, that was an opportunity to learn, to gain lesson and wisdom and an advantage for your future. And that's where you shine. Because you fearlessly, courageously dove in and put in the work. And when you put in the yeah, work, just was, like martial arts, just like yeah. anything else, you get incredible results. Yeah, you, you do. I mean, I will tell you, you know, it's, it's, um, it's the old adage, you know, you coach and I coach. And, you know, what you put into things, you will absolutely get out. You know, you put trash into something, you're going to get trash out of it. You put something you go all in with it. And I got to be honest, man, some of the, some of the assignments you had me do, right. It really challenged me. I'm like, I don't even know if I want to admit this to myself on paper and I don't want Angus. To <laughs> right, right. But, but I also, I also know that, you know, that 
That is what growth is. It's having the courage to say, here's where I'm good. And here is where I need help. And it's providing that safe space to where like, you know, I don't, it's like, Hey man, like I don't have all my stuff together. Please help me get this stuff together. Right. It's a space where a coach and a client, you were my coach. I was your client where we can dissect, pull all these things out. Cause here's the other thing too, like being in the coaching world myself, I knew that if I wasn't giving everything that I possibly had to that, to that experience with you, that I was going to leave a lot of lingering things on the table after we were done that would never got resolved. And then it was like all that time for what, you know, I, I might as well get all of this out. You know, I'm still looking at my vision board. I'm still looking at my 10 minute motivator, you know, every day um, I'm sitting here, we're recording this in September and I'm looking at some of the visions that I created for 2023 right up here on this wall and 10 out of the 11 things that I wanted to accomplish are done. Come on. I don't think I would have gotten there had I not been working with you. Yeah. And I also notice your office is nice and clean. It is. You it created is nice your and environment. Clean. Come on. I did. I, I, I was a big deal with that now. Yeah. 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 There's something about, you know, that greenhouse. We, we optimize our greenhouse and we can perform better. So thanks, yeah. you know, in, in, in sharing that. And then how has this like, rippled into your business, into your interactions with your team, with your family? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's rippled into my business a lot because like, so, you know, I'm a better, I, I, I originally did this to be a better leader with, for my team, you know, before I started dad edge, it was pretty much just me. And then like a few coaches that helped me with some things you know, back in the early days. And now I've got a team of over 50 coaches. I have an executive assistant. I have a COO. And now we have multiple divisions of the company. So, you know, we've got the Alliance. That's a division. We now have Dad Edge Media, which is the podcasting business, you know, and, and that has now become a business. We also have Dad Edge Business Boardroom for our Dad Edge Business Mastermind guys. So that's a division. Uh, we now have partners, right? People that, that are affiliates, right? That we do life with and the, and the things that we promote for them because we truly believe in them. So we have that. And then now I'm running my own high ticket marriage masterminds that came out of, that was part of one of the, if you're going to slingshot your year, what's it going to look like? And I'm happy to tell you that, you know, I'm only a couple months outside of our coaching and I've, I've hit the number of men that I wanted to be a part of that group. Mm -hmm. And it's some of the most, and here's the cool thing too. You know, we're talking about clients and revenues and all that, but one of the biggest passions that I have is helping men with their marriage. And when I get to do that from, and, and I'm the one teaching it and I'm the one facilitating it, dude, I told these guys on, on a call that I did yesterday, I was like, I'm just going to admit to you guys right now. It's my favorite thing to do in dad edge. It's not, being on the marketing meetings. It's not podcasting with somebody. It's not facilitating a call around porn or health or whatever. It's actually helping you guys with marriage and giving you the communication skills you need to elevate your marriage. That's what I love the most. And now I get to do those things. Yeah. So it's really helped me be a better leader. It's been, it's helped me be a better coach. Um, I did not 
know, I've been in leadership positions before, but they were more management positions. They weren't necessarily leadership. So I never really embraced that leadership part until you and I started working together. Yeah. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit. What does it mean to be a leader now with the understanding you have versus what it was like? So, you know, I, I take full ownership of what the team is doing and what they're not doing. And I always level set with how am I communicating with them, right? What type of environment am I creating? Um, luckily, the people that work for me, they always say, this is the greatest place I've ever worked. It's, it's literally just awesome. You know, I've had my executive assistant's been with me for almost six years. And she's like, I just feel so blessed that this is what I get to do every day. And I'm like, really? Working for me? That, that's really? Yeah. like." And, I, and I'll ask, and I'm like, well, why? And they're like, because you're always so giving. It doesn't feel like corporate. You're always casting a vision of what we're doing and why we're doing it, which is so important to me. Like my, my executive assistant's a female. She cares just as much about our guys as I do. And she's a woman who's married but without kids, mm. but she loves what we're doing. And I'm like, why do you love it so much? She's like, because you're always stating in meetings why we're doing what we're doing. It's not to make money. It's not all about revenues because I always state over and over again. She's like, you're always saying we need to help men create the most radical, beautiful relationships under their own roof so they can go to their deathbed at some point in time when they're going to, when they're going to check out, punch out of this life and they're going to punch out the big smile on their face, knowing they didn't leave anything on the table. And she told me, she's like, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Are you kidding me right now? Yeah. So, and I think when we, when we're talking about revenues and and the bottom line and, and marketing and lead magnets and all these other things, right. Those things do need to be talked about from time to time, but that can't be how a leader casts his vision, right? That's not going to fuel. I don't think anybody working for him. Let me just pause for a second to say this. There is one trait that you will find in every successful leader, no matter their industry, no matter their role. And that trait is action. And we want to inspire ambitious leaders like you to bet on yourself and take action on those audacious goals that you see in your heart. That's why we created our 90-Day Accelerator. It's a results-driven, battle-tested framework designed specifically for high-performing leaders like you to get unstuck and propel you towards your goals. And in just 90 days, you won't even recognize the person you used to be. To be a part of this elite community, go to evolveleadership.org. Now, back to the show. I want to dive into that because this is a conversation I have with a lot of people, especially in the season been in for the last, you know, few years, going through the pandemic, coming through these economic situations, the, you know, political realm, the, the war, like all these different things, people are getting laid off. People are going through, you know, really difficult times, interest rates, um, you know, inflation, it's creating a lot of uncertainty, a lot of friction, in families and in personal well-being for a lot of people. Mental health is a, is a huge issue. 
And when we talk to leaders and they say, I don't know what else to do. And one of the key things I tell them is create a vision. People will follow a vision they can get excited about. And they will rise to every challenge. They will rise to every um, obstacle when they see a bigger picture for why they do what they do. What does that look like for you and your team in sharing your vision over and over again? So like, are you asking about like the actual vision of it and what it looks like for the team? What does it do for your team? You shared for, you know, your assistant, but some of the other team members and even for some of the, the members of your community. Um, yeah. So you really want to know? Yeah, I do. Okay. I really, really want to know. So I do this for Lance. And you're probably like, who's Lance? Here's who Lance is. Lance is a 38 year old man. Lance has been married for about seven years. He's got two kids, boy and a girl. Lance goes to a job that he doesn't really like, kind of like pulls the life out of him quite a bit, but he feels a little trapped because he's like, you know, this isn't exactly what I want to do, but it does provide, you know, stability and security and a paycheck for my family. So I'm going to fall my fall on the sword and just do this thing so I can you know, give my family a, a vacation every now and again, or I could give, you know, I can put food on the table and that type of thing. Lance comes home. Lance desperately wants to have a deep connection with his wife, but it's more surface. They talk about the kids. They talk about the activities. They talk about the chores and the dinners and the finances, but it, he doesn't feel like they're dating anymore. You know, that passion, that fire is gone, you know, and he, he wants to have sex with her more often. They barely have sex. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not necessarily good. It's just sort of stagnant. You know, Lance also desperately wants to connect with his kids. And he's sitting there thinking like, man, I'm pretty good at my job. Like, what is it? Why can't I, why can't I connect with these kids? Like the way I want to, why can I, why do I lose my cool with them? Like, why, why am I not more patient? Like, that's what I really want. So, and Lance probably doesn't take very good care of himself either. Like he can't justify the time. Like I want to be more fit physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, but I don't have time for that. I have to make time for everything else. Right. Lance also might be curious because he's listening to podcasts, reading some books. And he's like, man, I just want to learn. I just want to learn. But he's, he's trying things and it's not really working out the way he wants it to, or it doesn't really you know, it doesn't really uh, fulfill his expectations of things he's going to do, whether it's coming home and asking his wife a new question, hoping it'll open up a new conversation, just doesn't. Or he's trying to create some space between reaction and response when his kids are acting out and he's losing his cool. But he comes down on himself pretty hard. And if you really ask Lance, like, dude, what do you want? Like more than anything. And he'll be like, dude, what I really want more than anything is I just want to find a way to connect with this, reconnect with this beautiful woman that I married because I love her more than anything. And I don't, I don't know what the missing ingredient and I, all I can think of. And I hear this all the time. And I'm sure so do you. I just want it to be like it was before kids. And I, you know, I always like to tell Lance, well, it's not, not going to be like that, but you know what it can be. It can actually be better. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, yeah. you're looking in the rearview mirror for how good things were back then. 
which that's like trying to drive to Mexico looking in the rearview mirror being like, oh, it's so beautiful back there. Like, look at how great it was. You're not paying attention to how great it can be down here. So I, I do this for Lance because Lance, if Lance accepts that there could be something better and he accepts that he could, he could ask for some help, well, we're going to give Lance a hell of a ride and a hell of an experience. And he's going to be so excited that he gets to learn, how do I have conversational excellence with my wife? How do I create an environment of psychological safety with my kids where they want to tell me everything? How can I use a skill like generative questions to ask my kids, what was the best part of your day? And tell me why it was so meaningful to you. That will open up a conversation about their entire day, about their life, about their dreams and about their visions to where Lance is like literally driving his kids home from school and be like, dude, this is what freaking life is all about, man. Yeah, come on. Thank God. And that is what, that, that's our vision. That's what I want to be honest for every single man who walks the planet because i think angus and i think you're aligned with this vision as well if we do that if we somehow some way succeed in that mission even if it's just 10 percent of men out there the world changes 100%. the world changes yep. people are less angry yep the suicide rates go down people feel more fulfilled in their marriage they're a more patient father they're more productive in the workplace they're they're healthier physically mentally emotionally spiritually they have better financial visions and, and money management skills. All these things really fall into place. You just have to be the one that shines the light and says, hey, man, there's a better way. 100%. Right? And we can help. And I, I totally align to that in the context, you know, or my background, obviously working with men. And now we work with, you know, both genders. And I want to swing back to that because I want to like unpack what does every wife need to know? So let's put a pin in that. So before we get to that, it's that context of when you influence someone, it influences others. So I used to say, I want to reach a million men uh, by 2025. That's when I was yeah. just exclusively focused on men. And I realized that's a lot of work. That is a ton of work. So it dawned on me one day, it says, what if I just focus on the people that reach a million men. What if I could find the leaders that influence that million? That's way less people. And I can draft off of their already momentum and help them to see in a different light, to articulate a different way, to influence in a new you know, uh, facet and make a contagion through their leadership. So me working with I mean, you is talking. like, holy crap, we just, we, we impacted way more people because I work with someone who's already working with a whole lot of other people. That's leadership. And when we can see our leadership, whether we're in a small business, a medium business, whether we're in a large corporation or enterprise, when we understand that our, li our leadership is about influence, our leadership is about having that point of contact with someone else that then becomes contact with others. Where I think we get lost is leaders try to do all the things. They stay in the weeds. They stay in the projects. They stay in the, you know, the day-to-day. -day, and they're no longer leaders. Now they're laborers. But the true leader rises above that and starts asserting their influence in a completely different way. Paints new visions, new possibilities. Explains, like you said, the why, the cause, the vision, the destiny, the direction. And now you're talking leadership. 
Come on. All right. Come on. Flip side. So a woman is listening to this. Her partner, maybe she's not connecting with him. A woman who is looking for a partner. And they're like, we don't understand these men at all. (laughs) What would you share with them to give them a different perspective of how to understand these men in their lives? So I want to, I want to answer this a little bit more specifically. If if you could give me any, any other breadcrumbs that you think would be useful or more specific, I'm, I'd be happy to answer that one as best I can anyway. Yeah. So it's one thing as you're describing for a man to recognize different tools, different skills, a way to, as you described with Lance, to understand how he could ask these questions in a certain way to, in my world, would be more self-aware, more emotionally intelligent, you know, would be more present. So cool. We can coach that guy on there, but for the lady who's on the other side, the other partner who's on the other side, and they're trying to get through the hollow shell, they're trying to get his attention. The only way they've known perhaps in the past was either to give up or to nag or to try and encourage, but sometimes it wasn't received as encouragement. What's a better way? So I, I, and I love this question. I, I think if, if we could go back to, you know, the three basic needs of men, as, a, as we talk about emotional needs for a relationship, I'm not talking about food, shelter, and water, but the three basic needs for men in a relationship, and then the three basic needs for a woman in a relationship. Whenever I teach this, like it, it, I notice that it provides a lot of clarity. Like you'll see eyebrows go up, like, oh my God, like no wonder, right? Because mm-hmm. what usually happens is, is both parties are trying to fulfill needs of their own through the other person, right? So a man's three greatest needs in a relationship is to feel respected, appreciated, validated. I know that last one's a hard pill for us to swallow. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to know, am I good enough? Am I a good enough man? Am I a good enough husband? Am I a good enough provider? Am I good enough at sex? Am I good enough? Am I a good enough father? Am I good enough to be patient? All these things that constantly wondering our mind. Right. But I would venture to say, I think, I think women and just human beings in general have men stereotyped quite, quite wrong, frankly. Like, so, cause I think a lot of women look at their husbands and they're like, all he wants is sex. It's actually not the case. I, I would I would hardcore argue against that. Is sex nice? Sure, of course it is, right? However, if my wife comes up to me, and I, I, I love sex just as much as the next guy, but if my wife comes up to me and she looks me in the eye and grabs me by my hands and says, or puts her hands on my face and she says, I just want to let you know, I really appreciate you working so hard so I can stay home with the kids and not have to worry about working and just allow me to take care of everything here that needs to be taken care of. Like, I really, really appreciate you doing that. Like, dude, I don't have to have sex. Like that to me is just like, the sky's just opened. Like everything that I want, I like, you just made me feel like the most important person in the world. Like I feel loved because I feel respected. I feel appreciated. I feel validated. All three of those needs were met in that one statement. Women on the other hand, seen, heard, safe. And by the way, your kids have the exact same needs. So I think it's really important to point those needs out because as men, if you really want to make your wife feel loved and important, you know, 
see her. In other words, point out the beautiful things that she's doing. Appreciate her. Appreciate her publicly in front of your kids, right? Not just see her like, damn, you look really hot in those jeans. It's like, no, hey, thank you so much for going to the grocery store today. Thank you so much for picking up my favorite soda. You always pick, you're always thinking of other people. Thank you so much for picking up my favorite soda. You would do that all the time. I don't even ask you to do it, but thank you for doing that. Seeing the things that she does. My wife will tell you one of the sexiest things you do is mention something that you saw me do or you walk into a room and you see that I did something different to the room or something like that. Or, and then to hear her, I always, you know, the thing, it's not just words. When we hear our women, what you're actually doing is, is feel, you know, see what she's going through emotionally, see what she's going through, you know, through, not just through her words, but through empathy, right? So if she looks overwhelmed, say, wow, that, yeah, that, that does sound overwhelming. How can I best support you, right? What feels right to you? Things like that, you know, to where she feels heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then safe. You know, I, I honestly believe that if you hit the first two, seen and heard, the safe one kind of falls like a domino, right? Also, the way you, the way you father your kid, if your wife is looking at you and you're like patient, loving, goofball father playing with the kids, that makes your wife feel insanely safe, which by the way, the trigger for her is you've just become one of the sexiest men alive, right? Now, going back to what you're saying about women and men and that kind of thing, um, I honestly think, and I read this somewhere and I don't remember where it was, but women who nag their, their husbands, it's actually, what it really is, is it's a cry for connection. You know, it's, it's women being like, God bless. I just want your attention. I just want your love. I just want your affection. I just want to talk to you. Right. And guys will take that nagging is like, God bless. You're pissing me off. Now there's different types of nagging. There's super disrespectful, emasculating nagging. And then there's like, Hey, you know, the different type. But I think knowing like, if you really want to get the attention of your man and love your man and get him to respond, find ways to appreciate him find ways to respect him, right? Find ways to validate that one of the most powerful things you can possibly do is, is respect and appreciate your man in front of your kids. 100%. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like whatever you just said or did is on steroids, right? The, the flip side of that too, though, if you really want to kick your man when he's down, disrespect him in front of the kids that absolutely destroys a guy. I think it's really good to know those things because those are the, the most powerful levers I think a woman can pull with, with a guy if, if she's trying to, you know, gain some attention with him. Um, I know for or, me, or love him. I had to flip this script. Uh, years ago, I closed down a nonprofit at the uh, 2008, 2009 uh, economic issues. And my wife challenged me to come home and finish a book I'd started writing a book and we just had our second kid. Um, and then we just found out we were pregnant with the third and she had a good job. She said, why don't you stay home with the kids? So I became a stay at home dad. And at first that was super cool. And then it hit me like, but I'm not the breadwinner. I'm not making money. I'm not contributing to the family. And I had to go through all these like, ego issues and pride and identity. Like, who am I? 
And what I learned in that was a lot of stuff that you kind of describe here is now all of a sudden I'm staying home with the kids and I'm running the home like a business. Like I've got these clients who need to be served by certain times or they're going to be very upset. I've got to, you know, get their meals prepped at certain times. I got to get the laundry going. I got to like get them to their different appointments for the doctor and the checkups and that's that, that, that. And then we'd have to go grocery shopping. I've got a toddler. I've got an infant all at the same time. I go through the grocery line and then every, all the people would say, Oh, look, it's a daddy day. I'm like, look, damn it. Uh, I'm with these kids every day. Ain't no daddy day. This right. is my life. You know, and I'd go to the library for reading time and, I'd be the only man in the room and all the women would start tidying themselves up and doing up their hair and, you know, pulling themselves together. Like I'm infringing on their space and I would feel alienated. And every time I try and talk to somebody and I'm an extrovert, they didn't really want to talk to me. Like it was so weird that to go into this other expression. Right. Yeah. And then what I learned was when my wife would say, thank you for, always having dinner ready when I get home. Thank you for, you know, taking care of the kids and getting them to their appointments today. Like for me, it did something different. It was the same premise, but it was based on a completely different expression. Yeah. And that was a big turning point for me to step into empathy and compassion and an understanding of what it's like in the dynamics on each side of that equation. And it's some of the best years of my life, three years as a stay at home dad, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And it's helped me become a better husband, helped me become a better father. The relationship I have with my kids as a result, you know, has been priceless. And so what if we could get both sides of the equation to do the work? facing some of their own stuff where you know this like when a couple comes together and they have an argument they start bickering or whatever it's rarely about the thing they're fighting about 100% it's about some of these other elements where do you guide um people together whether they be you know in the corporate space enterprise space entrepreneur space and they have a level or a modem of success in their business, but maybe not at home. So first of all, I think that that's pretty darn normal. Uh, I really do. I think a lot of guys out there, they experience a lot of success in the workplace, um, but they don't share in the same success in, um, in, they, they don't share the same success in, um, in the home front. Yeah. And here's where I think like the whole gap in the gain is right. Like if I really think about this and I, I say this, I say this all the time on training calls, like there's a reason you're a badass at your work, mm. right? There is, let's just take, I'm going to take two different types of two, two different types of professions. One is more career focused and corporate and one's entrepreneurial and there's common ground in both. So let's take a firefighter, right? Actually, no, let's take a surgeon because I used to work with surgeons. You know, for a surgeon to even put his hands on a patient, he has to go through four years of medical school. Then he's got to go through fellowship residency. 
and then he can start putting his hand on, on a patient, right? Even as a resident, you know, you are doing surgery under an attending, under an attend, you know, under supervision of another surgeon who's been doing it a lot longer than you have. We would never think in a million years to go get a total knee done by a guy who spent four years, and this is still a guy in medical school. Mm-hmm. He spent four years in medical school and he's read every book known to man and he's aced every test and he knows how to do a total knee on paper, but he's never put his hand on a patient. I am not signing up to be his first patient. Right. No way in hell. Yeah. Right. Now there's a ton of, tra- now once over time they're trained, they go through residency, they go through fellowship. Then now they're a surgeon on their own. They've had enough training and enough experiential learning to be somewhat dangerous, right? So think of the, the amount of, I used to ask my surgeons all the time, how many hours do you think you spent in medical school? Mm-hmm. Like just learning everything. And they're like, oh my God, are you serious? Like that, that doesn't even seem like it's countable. And then, you know, you ask a guy, how much time have you spent learning new skills to communicate with your wife? And they'll look at you like, is there such a thing? (laughs) Yeah. So same thing with like an entrepreneur, right? A guy who's leading a a massive business, right? I guarantee a successful entrepreneur has signed up, has a coach in his life. I have, I have one client. I'm one of four coaches of his Mm -hmm. one of four. I'm his marriage coach. He's got a professional coach. He's got a fitness coach and he's got a spiritual coach. Four coaches is in this guy's corner. I'm like, dude, he's got a lot of disposable income though. (laughs) I'm like, why do you do this? He's like, because I want to be awesome at everything in life. That's why everything I do, I want to be great at it. And I have to, I have to be a learner. I have to be a student of it no matter what it is. So I think, and and it's cool to do that. I mean, I I grew up in the era where I was a personal trainer through college. That's how I paid for college. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, man. Like if you told people like that, you were, that you had a trainer. Oh dude, you have made it like, holy shit. You have a personal trainer. Oh my God. You have made it. My friend, congratulations. That's awesome. Right. But when it comes to us, you know, like, Hey, I have a coach to help me with marriage. or I have a coach to help me with communication. People are like, they don't, they shake their head. They're like, they don't even know that that exists. But here's what I'll tell you. The same drive and desire and being a student to learn the things that you need to learn as a surgeon, as an entrepreneur, as a firefighter, as a married man, and as a father, all same rules apply. You've got to learn, right? And if you're not learning, it's a lot like going to that surgeon who's never put his hand on a patient and be like, I'm going to cut your knee open until they replace it today. Are you okay with that? And you're like, no, I'm out of here. See ya. Bye. So does that make sense? 100%. Yeah. Well, dude, I could talk to you uh, for another two hours, because I think there's just so much to unpack. And uh, I want to thank you for joining today and kind of hearing your story and your vision, how you cast that for your team, how you've transferred your skills from one industry into another of being able to have purpose and clarity now in your life, instead of working a job where you didn't feel that fulfillment and satisfaction. And I think it's also a testament to your level of uh, kind of the power of self-awareness and your commitment to relentless growth. And you've been humble enough to put yourself in front of others to pull you up, to challenge you, and to call you out on the things you need to be called out or called up to the things you need to be called up. 
And if you're listening and Larry's story resonates with you and you're in that place where you feel like you're buried under the weight of responsibilities or the strain of relationships or battling those internal demons of self-doubt or shame or guilt or whatever that might be, know this, that change is possible. Growth is attainable. And it starts with the first step. Whatever that looks like, if you need a coach in an area of your life, whether that be marriage, whether that be business, whether that be being a firefighter, whether that be in your mindset, in your connections, in your communications, like find the guide. Because when the student is ready, teacher will appear and there is someone in front of you, someone that is around you in your circles that can take you to that next level. Your potential is limitless. Your growth is a choice. And your future is waiting. So let this be a powerful reminder for you of what's possible when you put in the work. So let's embrace this journey and let's evolve together. Larry, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Yeah, and thank you for your help and your guidance. For anybody listening to the podcast, what I can tell you is um, working with Angus was well worth it. Uh, One of the best coaches I've ever worked with. Helped me really unpack a lot. Helped me get clarity on a lot. Um, and it's an experience I'll never forget. So thank you for helping me evolve. I appreciate you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, brother. As we wrap up another episode of Evolve Leadership, thank you so much for taking time to invest in you. If there's to be any sustainable growth in your company or even in your relationships, you must grow first. And it's what I love to do for leaders, to help them grow, to challenge their thinking, sharpen self-awareness, to instill an unshakable confidence, and ultimately upgrade their sense of self. And we do this through our proprietary method called Agile EQ+, where we're leveraging agile leadership and emotional intelligence. We provide our signature training for individuals, and for businesses, we've designed a unique curriculum for company-wide learning and development. If you'd like to learn more about our training or to schedule a call, you can simply go to evolveleadership.org. And until next time, stay driven, keep climbing, and never stop evolving.